Folks, we're, we're getting towards the end of our series. We've been about two months ago, started this series called Filled and Overflowing, Understanding the Abundant Life. Because here's the reality. Jesus didn't die on a cross simply so that you could attend a worship service. That's not what he died for. Worship service are a part of the relationship with Christ because you need to interact with others. But there is something so much more to the relationship with Christ because he said to his disciples before he left, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send somebody else to guide you. I'm going to send somebody else who will be with you like I was with you. And that's the Holy Spirit. And God has given the Holy Spirit so that you and I can have a greater relationship with him. Now, here's the problem. Most of us aren't even aware of that. Most of us don't even consider that. Most of us were actually scared of that because of something wild and crazy and wacky that we have seen with regards to the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to be honest with you, the wackiness is not what you see in the Bible. The Spirit was given so that you might have power to be his witnesses to others. The Spirit was given so that you might have guidance in your life. The Spirit was given so that you might have a closer relationship with Jesus. And that's what we should be seeking in our lives. And so we've been talking about that, about being filled with his Spirit and overflowing with his Spirit towards others. And so with that, we've been talking about the issue of surrender. Now, we've seen that in Second Chronicles chapter 7. So let's kind of go through those verses again here real quick. He starts off in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, and command the locusts and devour the land and send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Now, from these verses, we're going to see several things that we've been looking at over the week. I'm just going to kind of go through them with you again to see what needs to be happening in our lives as far as moving to that place where we experience the fullness of Christ in our lives. So here's the first one. Remember I told you we need to listen. What do you mean we need to listen? Well, he starts off in verse 13 and he says, when I bring problems in your life, Folks, the reality is, is yes, we create problems in our life. Life also brings problems. But God will use problems in your life to get your attention. He's trying to get you to listen to him. He's trying to, to get your attention because you've been doing your own thing. You've been going off in your own way. You've been trying to live your life without him. He's trying to get your attention, so you need to listen. Here's the second thing. You need to be humble. Humility. Now, I'm not talking about being humble in how we act towards each other. I'm not talking about that kind of humility. I'm talking about the humility that we have before God. Now, what does that mean to have humility before God? When you're humble before God, it means the absence of pride. What does that mean? Well, that means you can't stand on your own two legs before God and think that you're something. Because you're nothing. God actually laughs at our pride that we would think that we are actually somebody before him. He's the creator. 
He knows everything about you. He knows all the bad things you've done. He knows the things that you think that you're doing that are good that really aren't even good. He wants you to be humble. He wants you to be realistic about who you are before him. And here's the reality. You and I are sinners. We do wrong. And we sin against God. Humility. The next thing we saw was prayer. Not just any kind of prayer, because the fact of the matter is, is you and I do pray. We throw up prayers all the time. We pray for God to give us a parking spot at Walmart. We pray for God to bless our lottery ticket that we buy. But the reality is, is that prayer can't just be that. Prayer's got to be more than that. Prayer has to be an intimate relationship with God. In fact, notice what he says in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Pray and seek my face. That's seeking the presence of God in your life. That's seeking God. Come have a relationship with me. Come be a part of my life. That's prayer. Here's the next one, and this is what we're going to focus on today. It's the issue of repentance. Second Chronicles says this, turn from my wicked ways. That's a little bit more than confession, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment. That's what our focus is today, repentance. And then finally, the issue of waiting. Waiting. Waiting on God. And we're going to talk about that next week when we wrap up the series. So let's talk about repentance today. Repentance today. What are we talking about? Well, here's the point I want you to see. There has to be a conscious decision to leave your old life. That's what repentance is. Repentance is not just acknowledging that you do wrong. Repentance goes far further than that. Because you and I acknowledge all the time before God that we do wrong, right? In fact, we go to God and tell him all the time that we're doing the same things over and over and again, and we're asking him for forgiveness. That's asking for forgiveness. That's confession. That's not repentance. Repentance is something so much more. It's making a conscious decision to leave behind an old life. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's making a conscious decision to leave behind an old life. Now, here's the problem. The problem is is that we misunderstand repentance. And that's what I want to focus on here in the next section. We misunderstand repentance. We have a misunderstanding. Now, here's what we do. Number one, we believe that repentance is a work. We believe that repentance is a work. Now, you're saying to yourself, wait a minute, George, what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we understand confession because we all confess, right? I hope you do. I hope you go to God and you say to him, God, I've had this wrong attitude. God, I treated that person wrong. God, I did this wrong. God, I'm I'm caught in this situation and I keep doing the wrong things. I hope you're going to God and confessing and seeking forgiveness, right? We should be. But repentance, we have a concept that repentance is actually moving beyond that and, quote, doing something about our actions. We feel it's a work to be done. So repentance is the effort that I make to deal with my sin, to deal with the stuff that I'm doing. And that's partially true, but here's the problem. The issue isn't work. The issue isn't your effort at dealing with the sin, because the problem is, have you noticed? 
No matter how good of effort you make at trying to stop sinning, you only have problems. In fact, that's my second point here. Here's my second point. Therefore, because we think it's a work, therefore we approach it from the basis of our actions. We approach repentance from the basis of our actions. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we decide, okay, I'm getting up Sunday morning, take my breath, and I'm saying, okay, i got another day today, and Lord, you know the thing that I'm struggling with, you know the thing that I'm constantly giving in to, and God, today's going to be a good day because I'm going to stop. I'm going to quit going to that place. I'm going to quit hanging out with those people. I'm going to quit doing this. I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit listening to this program or watching that on the Internet. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Then you get out of bed. And life happens. And you go to bed at night and you're what? Confessing. God, I know I told you I was going to quit. I know I told you, but I didn't expect that. We think repentance is changing our actions. Now, let me explain something to you. Changing your actions comes out of repentance, but that's not what repentance is. Do you hear what I'm saying? You may want to write that down. Changing your actions may come out of repentance, but that's not what repentance is. Do you understand what I'm saying? And actually what we're all expressing, can I be honest with you, a lot of times is what's called as remorse. We're sorry. We're sorry we got caught. We're sorry that we're defeated. We're sorry that we're destroying our lives and our families because of our actions. We're sorry. We're, we're weeping. We're, we don't want to do it again. We, we're weeping before God. But that's, that's just remorse. That's not repentance. Repentance is something so much more. And that's what we're going to focus on today. Talking about, from God's word, what repentance is. Now here's the third thing I want you to see about our misunderstanding. The result, because we look at it as a work, the result is continual defeat. The result is continual defeat. I am amazed. You know, I really started ministering to people as soon as I got saved in 1985, but Really, to be involved in ministry didn't take place until about 1987. So you could say that I've been really involved in ministry for 31 years. I've been involved in pastoral ministry now for over 22. And I'm amazed that when you look at what's in the church today, among people who call themselves Christians, there is a desire that all of us have for something more. We want to have something more in our Christian lives where we see God working in our Christian lives on a day-to-day basis. I have yet to meet people say to me, I don't really want that. No, we want to see God working in our lives. But here's the thing that I've seen over 30-some years now is that most of us live in a constant state of defeat. We're defeated. We're defeated by one thing, one thing only, the power of sin in our lives. And the fact of the matter is, 
everybody tends to be defeated. Now, they're not all struggling with the same types of sin, but they're struggling with sin. For one person, it may be gossip. For another person, it may be another issue. It may be this issue or that issue. The fact of the matter is, is sin manifests itself in many ways, but the problem is, is many of us are living in defeat. Why? We want something more, but we don't know how to do it, and we think repentance is the issue, okay, because we're told, repent, 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 but we think that means just changing our actions. We try, and we fail. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Repentance isn't simply changing actions. Repentance is something so much more. Repentance actually begins, you want to know where it begins? It begins in two places. Actually, the Bible kind of combines those two places and calls it one thing. It's called your heart. It begins here in your mind, in your heart. That's where repentance begins. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll give you an illustration of what I'm talking about. We, we, we live in a culture today where people struggle with so many different things. They're either struggling with alcohol, they're struggling with drugs, they're struggling with weight and everything. And if you notice that people, they just live in a constant battle, battling, battling, battling those issues. But then every once in a while, you see somebody overcome it. You see somebody overcome it, and you're like, and you go to them and say, how did you do it? How did you lose that 100 pounds? How did you overcome that addiction issue? How did you do it? And they all say the same thing. Have you ever heard of them? They all say the same thing. I woke up one day and I decided enough's enough. They had a change of the mind. Do you understand what I'm saying? They had a change of mind. Something, you even hear it, You even hear them say these words. They'll say words like this. Something clicked. Something clicked. You ever heard statements like that? Folks, I'm going to tell you what that is. The Bible word for that is repentance. It's waking up and realizing, I can't keep going on this way. And so something clicks in your heart and in your mind. And guess what happens after that? When the something clicks, the actions follow. Do you understand what I'm saying? The actions follow. See, the actions of dealing with your sin are only going to follow what? Repentance. Changing your heart and your mind. Changing your allegiance from yourself back to God. That's what we're talking about here. That's what the missing key is, is that we know God's creating in our heart this desire for something more. And we want him to bring that fullness in our lives. And we've been praying, we've been asking about it, we've been humbling ourselves, we're listening. But he says, turn from your wicked ways. How do I do that? Something's got to click. So that's what we're going to talk about right now. We're going to talk about a shift in our thinking. A shift in our thinking. And we're going to go to really the one passage that I think best illustrates a shift in thinking. 
And that's the passage concerning the prodigal. You say, well, wait a minute now. I'm saved, George. I'm not running from God. Wait a minute now. Hold on, hold on. If you just read it from that perspective, you're going to miss a whole lot because you're talking about a Jewish boy who was already a part of God's people who was running from God doing his own thing. But when you look at this story, it's going to show you that somewhere along the line, boom, he repented. He had a shift in his thinking. And we're going to look at that today. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to focus on verses 11 through 24. So look with me. Then he said, a certain man, this is Jesus speaking, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he was sent into the fields to feed the swine." And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, okay, if you have your Bible, underline that phrase. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son who was dead is alive again. And he he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Wonderful story, isn't it? That's a story for you and I. It's a story of repentance. So here's what I want you to see. I'm going to talk about the shift in thinking with this gentleman. The shift in thinking. Number one, here's what I want you to see. Look with me at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Number one, There is a recognition of your situation in light of God's blessing. That's where it begins. Repentance begins with coming to your senses. Repentance begins with you waking up. What do you mean waking up? Repentance is coming to the place where you realize, you know what? 
I've been doing this on my own. I've been living my life. I don't necessarily need God. I thought that I could do it with my brain power, but to be honest with you, I ain't smart enough. I thought I could do it with my wallet power, but stuff's costing too much, and I can't make that much money, and I can't borrow that much. I thought I could do it with this. I thought I could do it with that. And the reality is, look at this. I, all this stuff that I thought I could do it with, and I ain't no further along than I thought I would be. If anything, I've made things worse. I've been trying to go it alone, and I can't go it alone. And while you're looking at where you're at, because you've been trying to go it alone, you look at what God has been offering you. You look at the blessing God has said that is there with him. God said that he would take care of you. God said that he wants you to live in these boundaries for your own safety. But you know what? You did your own thing. You busted those boundaries. And it created more problems. See, there's a recognition of your situation in light of God's blessings. That boy was feeding the pigs, and he was realizing he's starving. He's eating the stuff the pigs are eating. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I remember as a boy going to my aunt and uncle's farm in North Carolina, and they raised pigs, and I'll be honest with you. I saw what pigs eat. I don't want to eat that you got to be in a pretty desperate situation to want to eat what pigs eat. But that's where he is. But he's sitting there, maybe munching on some stuff that pigs are eating, and he's thinking, you know what, I could be in my dad's house right now just eating the stuff the servants were eating, and that's a whole lot better than this. See, that's where repentance begins. Repentance begins with recognizing it's a lot better off with God. It's a lot better off with God. The way I've been going has only been creating problems. It's a lot better off with God. That's where repentance begins. It begins in the mind. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You see it in verse 18 and 19. Look with me. Look at what it says. He said, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's the second thing I want you to see about the shift in thinking about repentance. There is an acknowledgement of your sinful heart and actions. See, it's not just realizing that your situation right now isn't good and the decisions you've made haven't been good and that it's better off with God. It goes one step further. It realizes that you've got to be honest that you did wrong and that the choices you made were wrong. Listen, in this boy's life, I'll be honest with you, it started from the very beginning when he asked for his portion of the inheritance. In that culture, even today in the Middle East, if you were to go to your daddy and say to your daddy, I want what's mine now, that's basically saying to your daddy, I wish you were dead. Wish you were dead. Because I want to go do my own thing, so give me what's mine. That, folks, is the height of what? Selfishness. The height of selfishness. And here's what's going on. This guy realizes he's got to acknowledge that he's been making wrong decisions. Isn't that what we got to do? We tell people they got to hit rock bottom, and when they hit rock bottom, they just don't realize that they're in the ditch. They also got to admit that they put themselves in the ditch, right? 
You and I, if we're going to do repentance, we've got to recognize before God, God, I am where I am. I'm in this situation where I am, where I'm not sensing you in my life the way I should be sensing you. I'm, I'm living this spiritual bankruptcy, not because you brought me here, God. It's because I put myself here. And folks, we've put ourselves there. I've put myself there. Isn't that what we tell people who deal with addictions? We ha- they have to admit that they're what? Addicted and that they're responsible? Because here's the thing. If you said, well, I'm only here because it was my dad, or I'm only here because it was that preacher, or that coach, or that scoutmaster, that's not repentance, is it, folks? That's blame shifting. And that's all part of the self thing going on. There has to be an acknowledgement of your sinful heart and actions. That's where it starts. You know what? As long as you think it's somebody else's fault, no wonder you're always living in defeat. No wonder you're always falling back into the same old pattern of sins. Because you're blaming somebody else. You're not owning it. And it's got to start where? With your heart and your mind, owning it. Here's the third thing. We see it here in the same passages. There is a humility before God as you renounce your pride. Listen, this boy was raised in a really good home. Yes, he probably had to do work. Yes, he rebelled against it. Yes, he did his own thing. But the reality was he was doing pretty good. He was in a really good situation, even to the point where he could say, give me what's mine. Probably in that era, there weren't too many who could be do that. But here's the thing. This boy had to go to the rock bottom to realize what he gave up. What he gave up. And so here's what he did. He had to, here he is, from the point of being a favored son, he had to come to the place of humbling himself to even think about going back and asking his dad, Dad, can I be the guy who cleans the shoes at the door? Can I be the guy who takes the garbage out? Because I realized things weren't that bad at my house. You know, you and I have heard stories like that, haven't we? Guys who want to run off, do their own thing. Then when they run off and do their own thing, they realize real quickly after they're doing their own thing that things weren't that bad at home like they thought they were. But they don't come back. Why? Because one thing's keeping them from coming back. Pride. Pride. See, that's what repentance is. Repentance is is being humble enough to come back and say, God, I want to come home. I want to come home. I want to come home. That's what we're doing when we're repenting. We're going back to him and saying, I was trying it on my own. I was trying it on my own and it wasn't going good. But I'm realizing now that all I was doing is creating problems. But there you were, God. You had it all and I left it. But I want to come home. See, that's what repentance is. All right, so let's stop. Let's put it all together. What does this have to do with what we've been talking about for the last few weeks? Okay. Remember, we started out this whole series 
on a premise that God is wanting something for your life and our church. Isn't that what we started out with? God wants something for your life and our church. God has a plan for your life and our church. God wants to bring fulfillment to your life and our church. But the problem is, is we're not ready for that. We haven't been ready for that. We've got to prepare ourselves to be ready for that. And, and part of preparing ourselves is recognizing, first of all, that God has planted within each of us a desire for something so much more spiritually, something where we recognize that it's simply just not because of the service. It's because God has something so much more, a relationship with him, that's so much greater and so much bigger. So how do we pursue that? We, so we decide to act on that, and we get frustrated because we realize, you know what? We've got this sin issue. We've got this sin struggle. We've got this thing that constantly is defeating us, and we, we realize that only he can bring us there, so we want to surrender ourselves. And so we've been looking at that issue of surrendering. We've been listening about listening to him and humbling ourselves and praying and seeking his face. Here's the next step. You've got to come to a place of repenting, changing your mind, realizing that it's not about you. It's always been about him and what he wants to do in your life. And you say, God, I need you to help me click something in my mind. I need you to help me change my mind because it's not about me. It's about you. I need to change. And only when that change happens can I change the things that need to change. In fact, I think it's interesting. You know what the New Testament says? that he is the one who brings you to the point of repentance. What do you mean? It talks about, literally, Paul talks about God granting people repentance. we got to go to him and say, God, I'm tired of the way things are going. I want something so much more. Lord, you bring me there. You bring me to the place where the shift takes place in my mind. You open my eyes to the reality. Look what it took to get that guy's attention. He had to be eating pig slop for it to finally wake him up. What's it got to be in your life before you finally wake up? Change your minds. And watch God do the blessing in your life. Let me pray for you.